In February, you started seeing some supply issues. You know, mainly in February, we started to see some of the things that were imported from Asia and some of those markets. You know, and not necessarily were we seeing an interruption in supply quite just yet,、uh, as we were getting notifications from manufacturers saying, "Hey, we think that you know gloves may be an issue going forward, but we're sitting on you know 60-day supply, you know, and we think these things are coming down the pipeline." To Legal Skinny podcast with Trisha Verita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, "Where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that?" Look, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer, though: Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice, and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also, remember. Laws change, or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. The COVID nineteen pandemic really has changed the landscape of personal protective equipment and cleaning supplies, and how employers can get their hands on them. Employers are needing more information about not just basic personal protective equipment, but different cleaning items and what different types of masks may be available for them to have for their workforce. For some employers that didn't normally have masks, this was something that is entirely new, and so trying to figure out where to get these items and what actually is available in the marketplace is a key part of them trying to move forward and have workers in their actual workplaces. During the COVID-19 pandemic, to take steps to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Today, my guest is a longtime friend and business owner, Guy Cordell. Now, Guy and Vanessa own a family-run business in Houston, Texas, called Ridley's Vacuum and Janitorial Supply. It's owned and operated by family and sells services and supplies,、uh, a number of things, including selling commercial cleaning supplies. So. Since my topic is where did all the TP go, I knew Guy could weigh in and help me talk about the marketplace, where it was pre-COVID-19, what the changes have been in cleaning supplies, masks, hand sanitizers, and what he's seen out there for personal protective equipment. So we had a great discussion, and I hope you enjoy this podcast episode with Legal Skinny. Where did all the TP go? Welcome, guy.、Uh, thanks for joining me. Wow, I really like the mask that you have on. Thank you. 
You wanna uh, you wanna tell us a little bit about your company? Yeah, sure. I guess we'll get to the mask later. Hi, I'm Guy Cordell. I'm with Ridley's Vacuum and Janitorial Supply here in Houston. We're a family-owned and operated um, janitorial supply distribution company. And uh, I know I know you've kind of been in the business quite a bit a while. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, uh, we were just talking a little bit off air uh, that you've been, um, you know, working in this business since you were in high school. Sure. Yes. So my family's uh, started the company in 1961. So uh, I took over the business or my wife and I took over the business in 2012. Um, I worked my way through high school here. Uh, my college was coming here learning products. Um, and um, it's been history since. So it's needless to say, this is this is your area. You know this stuff. This is my Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, um, so uh, interesting business to be in for sure right now. I think you'd agree. Yes. So uh, on March 13th, uh, 2020, of course, the United States declared a national emergency in response to the coronavirus uh, disease. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic um, was declared. Subsequently, of course, the states enacted those stay-at-home orders to slow the spread. There was an attempt to reduce the burden on the U.S. healthcare system. Now, being in the type of business you've been in both prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and over the last few months, can you take me back to when you uh, first started seeing some sort of changes in the supply? Was it was it in March? Did you see before that? In February, you started seeing some supply issues. You know, mainly in February, we started to see some of the things that were imported from Asia and some of those markets. You know, and not necessarily were we seeing the interruption of supply quite just yet, uh, as we were getting notifications from manufacturers saying, "Hey." We think that, you know, gloves may be an issue going forward, but we're sitting on, you know, 60 day supply, you know, and we think these things are coming down the pipeline. You know? And of course, uh, being in the position we were in, we were able to try to stock up and kind of order some of those um, items that we felt uh, might be impacted. Of course, at that time, nobody, you know, could see that this would go on this far or see what would happen in the future uh, in the next few months that would be coming. I mean, the, um, the, where did all the TP go? You know, that's what I really want to know. <laughs> what happened? And that's what everyone wants to know. What was yeah, that that's a, that's a, Yeah, that's an easy question, actually, because um, it, 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 it makes sense if you think about it. So uh, for sure, um, if you think about schools, if you think about kids, if you think about your workplace, right, where do you spend most of your day? You know, a lot of people spend most of the day either at school or they, they spend most of their time you know, at work. So where do you go to the bathroom? A lot of times, you know, that's just by nature. You're at home, you're at, or I'm sorry, you're at work or you're going to be, you know, at school, your kids are at school, right? Well, if you pull that back and say, okay, um, businesses are going to go to 25%. Let's say that um, the kids are not going to be going to school. The, the last couple months of school, people were at home, right? Well, definitely at home, you're going to consume more toilet paper, right? That's one of the things that people don't think about and are in our grocery stores and in some of our retail environments, we didn't have the supply uh, like we do sitting in places in, in paper distribution networks. So, you know, for instance, we may sell, you know, three 18 wheelers full of, of toilet paper every month where we're selling 10 now, you know, we stock, you know, three to four um, uh, months of supply. So it's easy when, you know, the retail 
market is looking for toilet paper and the demand is just not, or the, the, the demand is there, but the supply chain is not there for those types of things. So uh, I think some of it may be just hoarding, uh, people may be hoarding some of it up, uh, of course, right? Uh, but um, looking at what happened and what happens when you stay at home, you're definitely going to consume more of everything that you would normally use at your office place, whether it's soap, whether it's toilet paper, uh, those types of items. I almost feel like you're giving some logic to this TP run, like that there was actually some thought into that they would be staying at home and would need more toilet paper. I'm, I just feel like I'm not sure that that's what happened, but I mean, uh, I'm trying to make sense of it myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're, you're not the only person that uh, is in the business uh, trying to make sense of that. But the, when, you know, did you notice when, um, I mean, we're here, you and I are here in Houston, but did you notice, um, different supplies and different, I, at some point the states were struggling to try to get supplies for their states and, you know, going into the mask issues and some of the hand sanitizing. Did it change from state to state? Was it like, was that, it just looked crazy on the news, uh, the different ways everyone was trying to get access to things. Yeah. So I, I have friends in other states in the business and definitely we're all kind of looking for the same types of things. You know, toilet paper was one thing, you know, gloves is what we're what we're uh, under the gun for right now that we can't find. Um, you know, mask was in the beginning. So, you know, it goes in phases of kind of what um, what's drying up in, in the supply chain or what people are using and stuff. And so our companies tried to be forward thinking of like, what what are we going to need in the, in the next few months when things change going into you know, schools, when business starts to reopen, what types of things are we going to be needing and how is this going to be affecting those markets and try to stay ahead of that curve? So it back, so when you started seeing this, all this stuff, I know you said it started a little in February and then obviously gained traction in March. Did, um, did it escalate to the point where um, it was just impossible to find some things like hand sanitizer or um, uh, like you talked about masks or gloves? Uh, gloves is definitely what is on allocation right now and what is what what is in high demand. So gloves are very difficult to find right now. And also the price is sort up on those items. You know, in, in March, um, there was a, a period of time where hand sanitizer was hard to get. Um, you know, there 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 was probably a two week window where we didn't have toilet paper. Um, you know, there was probably um uh, a week supply. We were probably down a week of like kitchen roll towels and paper towels and stuff like that. You know, if you think about a lot of these manufacturers that make toilet paper, they make other there are other paper products that go into industrial things, whether it's uh, roll towels or different things as well. So obviously, if you gear up and start running one line item, you know the other items are going to fall fall short. You know, in supply and demand there as well. So I think that um, that affects a lot of different things that these these mills make. No, that makes sense. The um, so uh, as far as where you um, see us right now, like if someone needs hand sanitizer, is it out there? Can they find that? Yeah, it's definitely out there. We've got uh, we've got over four thousand gallons on the floor right now. Hand sanitizer. Uh, we've developed different um, you know stands, foot pedal operated stands that people can use that don't require batteries, or it's also a no touch uh, dispenser and stuff. So. Those types of items are out there um, if you find the right avenues to buy them. Okay, interesting. All right, and so I know you said there's an issue with gloves, though. Um, uh, the mask stuff is sort of big now, and yeah, <laughs> the, I like that you brought props here. <laughs> Anyone listening can't see them, but they're great. They should get on YouTube and check it out. But the um, the 
where are they? What's the situation with the masks? I mean, um, it's been a little to say that it's been confusing <laughs> to everybody, both individuals and businesses. Um, you know, I know you were wearing a mask when we started this uh, program. It, it certainly isn't the kind of mask I have at home um, uh, that my family's wearing. A lot of people are wearing the, the face covering masks. It, it was a little confusing at first as to the recommendations coming out of everywhere as to whether who should wear what masks, you know, and the commercial element, you know, uh, OSHA making all these sort of um, exceptions because the supply really became so limited that, you know, the PPE wasn't there. But what's the difference between all that? Do you have any thoughts on that you could share? Yeah, sure. So I've got a couple things with me today. So we're going to start with like a level one mask, which is going to be more of what you would call a level one surgical mask. And so this mask here is designed to keep heavy, like larger particles and kind of a splash from wearing. Uh, it's going to be an earlobe mask. So you know, it's not going to be certified uh, by Niashi. It's not going to be um, something that, that is going to be super effective uh, for COVID or any airborne um, um, viruses and stuff. However, it does meet your 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 guidelines, um, you know, for, for a face covering. Uh, it's definitely your lower cost mask to be able to purchase. Uh, there's a lot of these in the market right now. So, you know, just to give a reference, Ridley's is sitting on about 700,000 of these masks right now uh, that we have in stock that we're able to provide at a very low cost. So um, is it super effective if you are against someone around you that has COVID? You know, I can't answer that, but my my advice would be is it's going to keep like your um, anything. If you were infected with something, it's going to keep that away from other people. Uh, it is a 95% filtration mask. It is a three-ply mask. Uh, there's others out there that maybe are one ply or two ply, you know, so you want to make sure that they're FDA approved and that they have the documents that go along with them. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that is not um, in, that is not in guideline. Now, I can tell you that because of the demand, the FDA is checking a lot of these products that are being manufactured and being imported into the country. And that is one thing that's holding up the supply is it may sit in customs for a week or two weeks uh, to get checked. Um, so I, every one of these that we get has a stamp on them uh, on the case that's showing that it's been checked by the FDA. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's something I, I actually uh, did not know that, but um, that's interesting. Yeah. And the Chinese government is checking them as well. Uh, and they will have a, a stamp on them as well. So you've got, whether it's a blue one or whether it's a white one, uh, you know, these are considered your, you know, level one uh, surgical mask. So that's kind of the skinny on those. And then from there, we would go to your N95 or your KN95. So um, what's going to make the difference kind of, in my opinion, going, forward, going on these masks is anything like your KN95 is going to be not, not a certified mask, but it is a 95 five ply filtration mask. So the difference is it's gonna go around your earlobes, um, something like this here. Um, so this will be a great mask to wear that's gonna be effective um, for fighting a lot of airborne stuff according to some of the documents and stuff that I've read. However, your N95 is gonna go around your head. So this is gonna go around this way. So what that's gonna do is give a tighter seal around your face. So it's gonna seal all the way around. Um, so that way, like this is your NIOSH certified mask that's gonna work for surgery. This is gonna work your airborne stuff. Um, this is definitely the mask and the benchmark that people are wanting. Uh, this particular one has the relief valve in it here. However, <laughs> these are very difficult to find in the supply chain. So 
you know, in it, people that have them either were sitting on them previously or are paid very high prices from other markets to be able to get them. Uh, and the government is consuming a lot of them. So sure. most importers won't bring in something that goes around your head because simply, you know, it may not make it through um, the checks and stuff because other people are going to be consuming them. Right. So that's why you're going to see a lot of KN95s in the marketplace is because this is something that, um, We've sold in the medical industry when um, when, when it was needed. Um, however, be, because it is an ear loop mask, um, most of the time the supply you'll be able to get these. So that's kind of the skinny on these two. What about that? What about that? The the what it looked like a gas mask you started out with. <laughs> Our full face mask. So yeah, I mean if you think about a mask is one thing, but eye protection is another, right? So you want to have a good seal on goggles uh, protected you if you're if you if you're in an environment. So you know as, as a cleaner, if you come into a facility that's been, uh, let's say someone's popped a positive in COVID nineteen, we need to come into that facility and we need to disinfect and decontaminate that facility. We're going to cover ourselves, right? So this is a full face mask that's going to seal all the way around. Um, it's going to cover your eyes, it's going to cover your nose, it's going to cover your mouth, you know, and there's different filters and particles that we can get for these things. So this particular one happens to have the P100 filters on it here, uh, but we could put gas mask filters on here. So if we want to do an inorganic uh, vapor mask or something like that, uh, we could do that. And these just are replaceable here. Uh, of course, it has the relief valve in it so that you could breathe a lot easier. Um, and such for that. So this is something like a professional would use to come in and decontaminate a facility with. So this is a 3M 6800 full face mask is what this is. Um, that's in high demand as well. If you find these anywhere, buy them. <laughs> so you're not wearing that to take out the trash at home is what you're saying. Um, not unless I'm trying to scare the neighbors. <laughs> the uh, Yeah, and I would make a note, uh, you know, just for anyone listening that obviously, you know, we're, we're not telling you what to buy or where to buy, uh, but the, and, and the, the orders out there are saying, you know, you know, they're concerned about, you know, the medical community having access to certain masks and, you know, um, uh, you know, that is what it is. That's going to change all throughout, I think, this pandemic as to what the supply and manner. I just, I appreciate you saying what, what is out there in case there's like employers out there that are trying to see if they can get something on the marketplace um, different than the face cloth covering mask, which is a lot different, obviously, than some of the stuff that you just went over. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that information. Now, I know sure. you have quite a bit of commercial business. I kind of want to see if you could talk a little bit about, um, like, kind of leaning into that, uh, you know, in the commercial area, you know, where employers are trying to see if they can get uh, masks or other protections for the employees, like, did that, um, I did that go away at some point over since like February or March, where it was really hard for them to get stuff, and now there's some more stuff available. What did you see? You know, we had a supply through this whole process. You know, I think that um, there's all these pop up. Uh, manufacturers and all these pop-up vendors that will have product, you know, and and have a lot of different things out there. And sometimes it's confusing on what to buy. And so that's why you want to make sure you're buying a product that has the right documentation that goes along with it. So for your application, right? And then, you know, where's the supply today? We have product now. So we've got lots of product now. They're definitely in March and April was um, certain supplies were, were definitely hard to get or more expensive to get. 
uh, we were air freighting products over. So just to give you an example uh, on something like these KN95s, you know, if you put these on the air uh, to air freight them over from uh, from Asia, uh, it takes a you know three dollar mass to a five dollar mass, you know, just because of the air freight, right? So definitely during that time, you know, people are going to pay more to get it. Um, you know, you're talking thirty days for this to come over uh, on a container. Uh, plus a week in customs, you know, so you're 45 days from getting these uh, from the time you place the order of these. So um, those types of supply and demands are things that people are, you know, like why are some of the prices higher and some why are some of the prices lower? Well, it depends on how they came over and when they came over. So in the beginning, yes, we could air freight something and we could have it in, you know, Air freight used to be four days. You know, today it's ten to fourteen days just because of the delay in the amount of products that are being brought over. So anytime you air freight something, it's gonna be a lot more expensive. Yeah, I think some um employers really couldn't get um some of the masks that they may have been used to getting. Um and they're you know, uh I, I think it's great that you're giving this information out there to let them know there is some supply now that wasn't maybe there. Um so and and explaining certainly the cost differential, it makes sense, you know, um, with uh, all the different things going on, um, you know, uh, various manufacturers pop up manufacturers or, or sellers as you talk about them. Um, you know, uh, I have friends that started making homemade cloth masks, you know, um, so it's definitely um, a lot of people have entered into the interesting mask business um, one way or another, whether it was just to aid, um, some people were just, you know, providing aid to nurses that couldn't get any masks, you know, at the at certain points, um, where or or you know, just trying to see if they can, you know, sell some masks and, and have a side hustle too. So, but obviously, you know, the cloth masks are a little different than kind of what the stuff you were talking about, which I think is important for employers when they're really trying to, if they can't get their access to um, maybe the high level masks that they were able to obtain um, prior to all of this that they should be exploring maybe other different options that are out there. So I appreciate you explaining all that. Now, I'm a little concerned to see how commercial offices are trying to figure out how to handle when there's um, a COVID-19 positive case in the actual workforce um, that occurs. How do they how do they approach cleaning? I mean, we're talking about some businesses never really ever thought about cleaning, to be frankly. I think they, they signed a lease in a commercial space. Someone said on the lease that there was some cleaning that happened and that's where they're at. So if that's where they're at, where do they start? How do they figure out? Like, do you have any suggestions on that? Uh, yeah. So that's what I, that's, that's what I do. Right. So, you know, I'm particular about those things. And so the first thing is um, you want to make sure you're using a product that is safe on the surfaces, but also meets the EPA guidelines. So, you know, the EPA has a list called the endless. So uh, we'll have a link to that and you'll be able to see uh, the products that you can use. So um, can we go over that real quick of what the products are? So let's say for instance, you have a disinfectant product, like let's just pick on this product right here, right? There's gonna be an EPA number on this product, okay? For a disinfectant. So you can go to that endless, you can look at this EPA registration number. Uh, there's gonna be three sets of numbers. So the first set of numbers is gonna be the uh, manufacturer of the actual disinfectant uh, that's in the product. The next set of numbers, which is the 155 in this case, is going to be the formulation uh, for that manufacturer. And then the last set of numbers is going to be the sub-registrants uh, number. So when you go to the EPA website, you're looking for the first two sets of numbers. You're going to be typing that in. 
the EPA is a governing body that governs products, um, whether it's a disinfectant, whether it's a pesticide, whether it's an insecticide, the EPA is a governing body that you want to go to. So for an employer, what we what I always reference back to and say, okay, what is the EPA, which is the governing body, says about these products? And then how do they say to use them? So let's say, for instance, this product is one ounce per gallon of water. If we dilute this at one ounce per gallon of water, and then the EPA says to follow the, the, the guidelines uh, for on this particular product, it says follow the guidelines for a human coronavirus, right? So you would follow the guidelines for that, and then it's going to give you the dwell time. So that could be on this particular product, it's 10 minutes, but it could be a two-minute claim. It could be a five-minute claim or a 10-minute claim, meaning that you need to keep the surface saturated with this product for that time period. So on this product, we need to keep the, sat the, the product surface saturated for 10 minutes for it to be effective according to the EPA for COVID-19. And so what I do for my company is I just have to make the best decision I can about what products to use. So we use a, a 7 pH neutral cleaner that's safe on all of our surfaces. It meets the EPA uh, guidelines for COVID-19. So we leave the surfaces wet for 10 minutes. Um, and that, 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 that is the best that we can do with the knowledge that we have. Uh, following the EPA guidelines. And so I don't tell my employees that, hey, we're, we're disinfecting for COVID-19. I say we're following the guidelines for the EPA, uh, per the EPA for COVID-19, saying that we are uh, doing a approved product. Um, and so when the employees ask me, hey, what are you doing? How are we doing this? This is what we do, and this is what we're using, and this is our protocol. That's And that's really interesting that you're kind of clarifying it that way because i think it it has been um confusing a little bit just because of course the cdc has um you know been the hub where a lot of businesses and employers are going to try to figure out what to do and what what you're kind of saying i think is that the cdc you know it's not like the cdc is testing out products and determining this is how you use this type of disinfectant or bleach or hand sanitizer what you're saying is I mean, there's a governing body that cdc has to look to and, and when they're trying to identify that, that's the CDC's not there, even though they have it on their site and they've identified products, those products and everything about how they're figuring that out is coming from the EPA. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So the CDC is going to give you a recommended uh, product list, um, you know, now. For me, it's all about liability, and for me, it's about making sure it's done properly. So I go to the EPA and I say, okay, the EPA is a governing body. The EPA is what is on the label. The EPA is the registration number. The EPA has the uh, establishment number, and that's where people have. That's where the manufacturers, other products, have to register with, uh, and then that's where they get the. That, that they're the ones that do the testing. They're the ones that. Uh, tell you what it killed on the back of your Lysol label, right? They're the ones that, that say all that. So that's where I go to and I say, okay, does this product meet it? Does this product not? And then that I may, I, as a distributor, have to make the decision, okay, is this available for my customers to be able to sell, right? And then let's say, for instance, um, maybe it's not on the EPA list, right? But they have third-party documents for something different. Maybe they have a 90-day kill claim and they have third-party documents saying different things. We look at that and say, okay, you know, what is that? Has it been a, has it been denied by the EPA? Has it even been uh, brought to them? Um, and then we have to make the decision whether that's a product we carry, whether we bring it into, you know, whether we sell a product like that, um, or if we just stick with the EPA endless. And at this point on disinfectants, we're sticking with the EPA endless because it is a governing body uh, and they are the ones that everybody's looking to for the guidelines. So that, and, and so for some, some employers, they maybe our HR professionals listening to this are like, whoa, like too much information about cleaning. But 
when they're trying to figure this out, because I like to see, you know, that they have some sort of policies, guidelines that they're sort of trying to keep track of what the what what's being cleaned um, and what what was cleaned, right? Um, as you're trying to prevent having COVID-19 in the workforce. And then if there is a COVID-19 um, infected positive individual in the workforce or a third party that comes in and um, the employer gains knowledge of that, um, how are they gonna handle that? So I think they should have some policies and stuff related to that, but from a cleaning perspective, you know, is there ways that they can, is there questions they should maybe be asking for the people that are doing the cleaning if they themselves aren't handling it? Yeah, so there's several things. Well, so one is cleaning. The second thing is like you think about the air and the AC and your AC coils. Okay, so nobody thinks about air filters and coils, right? So we go to our air our our, our air air conditioners, and then we're going to clean out the AC coils. We're going to get all the funk off of those AC coils and clean all that stuff out because you know if if you have a virus or you have something in the air, what is it going to attach to? Dirt, you know, humans, whatever, right? So we want to clean all the AC coils and the ducts of our AC vents and, and get all that filth out of there. We're going to clean all that stuff up. That's one thing. And that keeps it from contaminating it from going from this room to that room. And that one, as far as the airborne aspect of it, right? The second thing is cleaning for sure. You know, definitely all the touch points, whether it's knobs and handles and, you know, chairs and, you know, restrooms um, and tables and stuff like that. Uh, we have a whole procedure list that we built for that. So we have definitely uh, documents and procedures and we even have wall charts with pictures uh, to show the cleaning crews, to show the business owners, hey, this is the procedure that we think um, your people should be following, right? And so we make those types of things available to our customers uh, where they can print them out, we can customize them and, you know, per application, depending on what it is. So, you know, in, in some applications and uh, some manufacturing and, you know, there's certain types of machines that you can't spray, that you can't uh, apply water to. So those have to be cleaned in a different kind of way. Um, and so we have to adjust some things to most applications, but for most office buildings and stuff, it's, it, there's a, we have a general cleaning procedure list and checklist for the cleaning companies to be able to use uh, with a list of recommended products that we have available for them that is in a good supply um, that we're gonna be able to supply. That's a good point. So they should investigate who's doing the cleaning and what they're cleaning, right? Like, are they cleaning all the touch points in the office? Those kinds of things in order to figure out, you know, um, and I, I guess they could even ask, you know, what, what, if the, if it's not, if the employer themselves is not, are not doing the cleaning in house and they're having some uh, third party do it or say office, the office management doing it, you know, um, I guess they could try to have an identify, identification list of what's getting clean in the office on a daily or weekly basis and the difference between that and what the products are that they're using. And then if they have, you know, um, no response to that, the cleaning people, uh, then that, I mean, it seems like that should be a concern and, and take off to the employer. They maybe need to look into improving that situation in order to kind of meet up with what's out there as far as what people are doing for cleaning. Sure. There's also inspection kits that are available too. So they have like these invisible ink things that you could write a note on a, uh, a desk actually, or a, a kitchen counter or a, a bathroom counter and it's UV light uh, that shines. And then you can, you know, test them and see if they're actually doing the work. Right. So you can just write the date on there and then you can see if they're actually cleaning that or not. Right. That's one thing. And then there's also meters out there that test like swab tests. So we do these swab tests for our customers. Uh, it's called an ATV test. What it does is test the organic matter on a surface. Uh, and then we can test whether the you know surfaces are clean or not. Um, 
general rule of thumb that can tell you whether or not the the cleaning guys are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing you know so there's a definitely yes the first thing you want to do is look at the guidelines see what they're doing ask them the questions uh to ensure your facility is being done properly there's other ways that you can check behind them and see if they've actually done that work too that's sneaky <laughs> i did not know yeah. that one. but uh okay that's interesting uh yeah um i <laughs> i had no idea that that was out there but um, I guess that was, that, yeah, I'm sure now if anyone listens to this podcast, that will be a thing. People will be all over that. Um, uh, and you'll be getting a lot of people in trouble, but you know, if it's all for the health and safety, uh, which is kind of, you know, why we're bringing this information, then, um, then that's all, all a good thing. So, uh, kind of wrap up here. So what do you think about the up and down of the supply chain here? Is this, is this going to be something that we see over the next couple of years is this here to stay up and down of supply due to the, I mean that we can't undo COVID-19 pandemic so now masks and other things are always going to be you know um something people may want to stockpile or, or put in their house for regular reasons not just uh or so is, is it is the supply chain you know thing going to stabilize in your kind of prediction or do you think this is we're going to see this going up and down uh over the next couple months you're going to definitely see this going up and down to the end of the year for sure on on you know different things you know um for sure let mass material is made for a lot of other things one thing we use it in our industry for is vacuum bags so you know like that affects the vacuum bag supply that affects other different things um that 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 material is used for right so i think that you're definitely going to see that you're definitely going to see an up and down for at least the end of the year is what our predictions are. You're also going to see probably a spike in some of the cost of, of these things, you know, because let's say for instance, you know, I use my, my nitro glove here. Um, the, the cost of nitro gloves is almost three times what it was in February, you know, and we're predicting another 20% increase on September one. So it's three times the price now, September one, they're think it's going to double, um, you know, so like that's not stopping, you know, from what I've read and what the information I have, you know, we're consuming seven times what the supply can handle right now uh, on, on just on gloves. You know, and you think about you take your mask off, you're going to, you know, you need to use a glove or just in the medical world, you know, and then the, in, in, where it's really effective is in the industrial world where guys have to use, you know, gloves to protect themselves from different chemicals. And they, you know, nitro is, is the biggest, thickest thing that's out there right now that everybody can wear. Um, you know, with latex, you have people that have allergies against it and different things like that, right? So we're gonna see this for a while um, on several different levels, I think. But they can maybe still find TP at Ridley's is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> As of right now, we can't As of right now. Sure. For sure, uh, for sure, for sure. So, okay, I, I loved this. I, I learned a lot uh, having this conversation. Um, you know, I hope the uh, the listeners learned some things. That before you go, um, do you mind doing the legal skinny rundown with me? Let's do it. All right. So, uh, beach or mountain? Mountains. Elvis or the Beatles? The Beatles. Most influential book that you've read? Hmm. Most influential book I've read. Um, the Bible. Dead or alive, what famous person would you invite to dinner? Mm. Donald Trump. 
<laughs> All right, finally, in one minute or less, what is the skinny on cleaning during COVID-19 for employers? So you wanna make sure you're following the EPA guidelines, uh, make sure you're providing a healthy, safe environment uh, for your employees. Um, make sure you have a protocol uh, for something that, that happens or pops up or uh, is there. And then making sure you have at least a month supply of products. Um, you know, having that month, having, having that month supply of products is there just in case there's a, um, another glitch or another supply chain issue. Awesome. And if anyone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. The um, email address would be uh, contact us at ridleysonline.com. Uh, you can go to our website at ridleysonline.com or feel free to give us a call at 713-649-4121. We're here to help. I love it, Guy. Thanks so much for joining me on the Legal Skinny podcast. And so uh, that's the Legal Skinny on where did all the TP go? So for uh, more, uh, you can visit LegalSkinny.com or you're uh, welcome to sign up, of course, for our email newsletter there for all things Legal Skinny. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer for the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction, so also remember this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.